This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result... You'll always be winning with muck delivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with... Just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Watching Leicester Till I Die TV with Chris and Chumps. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. All you need for everything Leicester City FC. It's Leicester Till I Die TV. Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. Jerry Taggart here. Now be sure to watch Chris and Lester Till I Die TV by subscribing on YouTube and following them on social media for all the latest Leicester City news and information. Come on you foxes! (laughs) 
Hello, fellow Fox fans. Good evening. Yes, it's me again. I'm back. I'm like, you know, when you get your holiday snaps back and you look at them or you've just taken a picture now, I suppose, these days, and you look at it and there's a guy in the back there sort of going, hello, uh, photo bombing. That's me. I'm here every night this week, apart from Saturday, the joy of doing it twice a week. And my missus said I couldn't. But we've got this coming up tomorrow night, a little matter of the fifth round of the FA Cup. And thanks to their win over Blackpool, uh, we've got Brighton, a fellow Premier League team. Um, can we do it? Well, we got to the quarters last year. Anyway, however we can do it, what you're doing now is you're watching Leicester Till I Die TV and you can catch us live in um, in the YouTube uh Channel which is Lester Till I Die TV, Facebook which is uh, the Lester Till I Die group. Remember to click on the StreamYard link so we can see your name, and Twitter and Periscope at Lester TID. And if you want to catch up with us afterwards and you've missed the show and you want to listen to the podcast, you can get us also on any podcast platform at Lester Till I Die, mainly Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. We've always been the bridesmaid, four times the bridesmaid, never the bride. We're up for the cup again, but also up for the cup. We've got a lot more matter of this gentleman here. It's Scott, who's joining us now from the Brighton um, fan site, wearebrighton.com. You may remember him. He came on and did the league game with him. It's a pleasure to have him back. Let's welcome him in. Say good evening, Scott. Good evening, Chris. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? Not so bad, thank you very much. I'd say, what's it like down there on the south coast? But I live in Bournemouth, so I've got a pretty uh, <laughs> a, a pretty good idea. All Premier League clash. Are you when you when Leicester came out, and I think we were the last ones out the draw. But were you pleased or disappointed to get us? Um, a bit disappointed because obviously the draw was made after the third round in January, and we were in yeah. absolutely horrific form. So it just looked like a complete write off. And to be honest, our record against Brentford is so terrible away from home against them that it didn't seem to matter who we got out of you or them. We were probably going to get eliminated anyway. But yeah. our, our form's picked up a bit. So, yeah, now it's, it isn't quite the absolute write-off it appeared at first. You, you're, you, well, the match is tomorrow, like we say, it's 7.30. It's on BT Sport 2 HD if you have that platform, or you can listen to it on TalkSport 2, BBC Radio, Leicester, of course, and LCFC.com free of charge. Um, looking at it last year, you, you didn't get very far last year. I think it was Sheffield Wednesday got rid of you in the fourth round, 1-0 uh, at home. Obviously, you threw to the fifth round. Um, dreaming this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. Last year was a little bit different in that um, Graham Potter just treated the cup competitions with complete disdain and that's why we were eliminated at home to you know a not very good Sheffield Wednesday side. This time around, he seems to have realised that, you know, yeah, the, the, he probably thinks the Premier League is more important, but there's a lot to be said for playing strong sides in the cup and building a little bit of momentum, especially when you're in as, as poor form as we were. So yeah. we seem to be taking it a bit more seriously. We seem to be going for it. Um, and I think sort of results since January have given us a 10-point cushion over the relegation zone. Mm. You think that a Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United are going to catch us? They've got to win double the amount of games in the next 
you know, third of the season as they have in the entire two thirds that have already gone. So in theory, it would take a spectacular, you know, falling apart from here for us to end up relegated. So why not take the FA Cup seriously and go for a bit of glory? I mean, for teams, and, and I still, in, in, to some degree, put Leicester in this, but teams that um, aren't, and no disrespect to, to, to any teams, going to probably win the league or anything like that. This, this It's silverware, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Brighton's the best that Brighton can hope for this season is maybe we sneak into the top 10 with a very good run. The best we can hope for long-term is, you know, maybe every now and again, popping up into the into a Europa Cup spot. Mm. So, I mean, where's the glory in celebrating every year, finishing 15th or 16th and scraping against relegation? There isn't any, is there? I'd much rather we took the FA Cup seriously. And, you know, Brighton have never won a major trophy in their history. What would this team be remembered for more, becoming the first team to do that or finishing 15th in the Premier League every year? This, this this is it, and 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 I have you have my greatest sympathy because like you were talking about Newport, we we had when we had um, and I, I hate using these words, Claude Fell as our manager. <laughs> Look, looking back in fairness, it's probably not as bad as it was. But I'm sure Leicester fans are out there will message me and go, yes, it was that bad. It really was that bad. But he didn't take it seriously. Newport, I mean, you, you managed to get past it, but Newport actually knocked us out a couple of seasons ago. So I know what you're saying it's difficult because you want to take everything seriously you want to win as many games and as many trophies as you can but it is the money of the premier league isn't it yeah and that's obviously i think there's a quite a disparity between what supporters want and and what the club would want because you know we announced we released our financial figures for for last season uh, two weeks ago now and it showed that we'd made a £67 million loss. And only £28 million of that was attributed to COVID. So we would have been on for a massive loss, even without the pandemic. Um, Tony Bloom, our chairman, pumped another £32 million in loans to you know, make the losses, which would have been even worse about that sort of cash yeah. injection. He's, I mean, he single-handedly funded the Amex. He built our training ground. He effectively paid for us to go from League One to the Premier League. He's put in nearly four hundred million pounds of his own money into the club, and when you look at figures like that, you can sort of see, okay, yeah, his priority is going to be staying in the Premier League, so at least we're getting that a hundred million every year. Whereas for supporters, it's like, okay, we finished thirteenth, we finished fourteenth, but you know, I remember that year Wigan won it. No one remembers Wigan staying up every year for for eight, nine years, whatever they're in the Premier League for, but everyone remembers when they beat City to win the FA Cup. And they went down that year as well, didn't they, the, the year they won it? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a bad example, actually, because they've just bounced <laughs> between League One and the Championship ever since. <laughs> but no, but the thing is, they won't be remembered for getting relegated. They will be remembered for winning the FA Cup. Yeah, and it's sort of similar to Brighton, really, because... When people talk about Brighton's first spell in the top flight, it's never, oh, you know, we finished 13th once. We were, we you know, we were contenders for um, for Europe at one stage and I think we were fifth with a few games to go and and we ended Nottingham Forest's amazing home run. It's always, the only thing anyone ever talks about is the fact that we made it to the 1983 FA Cup final. 
that's the year we got relegated as well. <laughs> I was about to say you did make it to a final. We'll come on to that in a second. But I mean, just to go back, like you said then, £67 million loss, and yet you've got teams, and it just shows the disparity. You've got teams like Man United are paying us £80-plus million for Harry Maguire. Yeah, it's it's a different world, isn't it? And It is. And that's also what makes the FA Cup so important, because mm-hmm. unless... Unless you're lucky enough to be taken over, I mean Tony Bloom's obviously a very rich man if he can afford yeah. to spend 400 million on a football club. But unless you're taken over by someone who is like a billionaire, seriously rich, like yeah. City, where you're never ever going to be challenging, you know, having a sustained challenge for all the top honours, which is why when an opportunity comes up to win the FA Cup, I think you should take it. I mean, we, we've we've got, in fairness, we've got rich owners, but. You know, I still put us in the second tier of rich owners. I mean, still not in sort of the Man City, Chelsea sort of bracket. It, it is, it is scary what what they do. Just to prove it, Chelsea last season didn't go and buy a player, played all the youth, and uh, well, were doing better than they were this season. But um, yeah, but you have just proves, doesn't it, that money's not money's not the key to everything. If you've got a you know good management, sensible team, then you can do it. As Leicester are. A living proof of as well. Yes. I mean, you are actually, and I didn't realise this, and I'm not, I'm not trying to catch you out here or anything, but I'm just looking that you did actually win silverware. Um, you, like us, many, many, it's probably the Forgotten Cup. We won the Charity Shield in 1974 or something like that, I think it was. You actually won it in 1910. Yeah, and, and the funny thing about that is um, when it was played in 1910, it used to be between the Southern League champions and the and the Football League champions. So effectively, yeah. whoever won the Charity Shield was declared the champions of England. So <laughs> Brighton have been champions of England once, albeit over 100 years ago. Hey, you know, I was actually talking to somebody the other day on, on one of these shows and you, you take anything, don't you? I mean... When after we won the league, we were in the International Champions Cup, whatever it was called, completely messed our pre season up. But we were traveling over to Los Angeles to Sweden to play, and we played Celtic in it and we beat them on penalties. And for that 12 months, we were actually champions of Britain. There you go, yeah, I'll be happy with that. We, we, we take it, you know, <laughs> Northern Ireland might have had something to say about it, but no, no, you know, we we will take it, but um. Look, I mean, let's have a look at your journey to get to the fifth round. Um, I mean, just you know, comparing it to ourselves, we, we started off with the uh, championship side, Stoke City, and uh, we beat them 4-0. Like I say, you, should we say scrape through? You might correct me and say it was quite one-sided, but it, obviously when you think it goes to penalties, you always think scrape through against Newport County, which, like I say, having lost there a couple of seasons ago, I'm not going to mock you for <laughs> And then, obviously, in the last round, we, we went past Brentford and you went past Blackpool. Has it, has it been... How, how were the games? Was it an easy run for you? or was, um, yeah. Newport was a bit of a disaster, really. We were... I mean, we scored in the, the 92nd minute to go one up. And then um, Jason Steele in goal had an absolute shocker in completely missing a cross, which hit Adam Webster and bounced in. So it went to penalties. Um, and then still went and saved four penalties in the shootout. So just from the absolute ridiculous to the sublime in, in oh, half yeah. an hour. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time that it felt like a, a bad result because, you know, it's a League Two opponents. But then you look at 
the size Newport have knocked out of the cup. It's freezing cold. The, the pitch had had a rugby game played on it 24 hours earlier, so it was like the surface of the moon. And yeah. In actual fact, you know, to come through at Newport was was probably a, a quite good result, as silly as that might sound. And then we we played Blackpool, and yeah, I mean, it was a we should have won by four or five. One of those days where Brighton can't take their chances, but it was yeah. about as straightforward a win as you can have against a, a League One side. It was quite pleasing because after the Newport game, you thought that, that could have been another potential banana skin. Yes. Yeah, I mean that, you 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 just want to start the weekend. You, if you do actually lose, you just hope that somebody else will lose to a, a big club will lose to somebody else and and hide the fact that you lost. Yeah, that's that's the good thing about the Newport game is that yeah. like a few hours earlier, Crawley had beaten Leeds three 0 So no matter what happened, we weren't going to be the most embarrassing result of the day. I mean, like you, you, you know, like years ago, you won't probably won't remember teletext. We used to sit on teletext thinking, "Oh, please don't let us. We've lost four nil. Please let somebody lose five <laughs> nil <laughs> and go go through." I mean, I mean, we're, we're through to the fifth round. We've um, we got to the quarters last year uh, and post COVID lost um, in one of the first post COVID games to Chelsea, as we always do. We we never beat Chelsea in the cup, um, but. We've been there four times. We've been to Wembley four times. Not since I must admit, nineteen sixty nine. But we've managed to lose four times. I think we, you know, hold the the record for having been in most cup finals without actually winning the bloody thing. <laughs> you, you you got um, you obviously got there. You said was it eighty three when you got there? Do you remember that? Or are you too young to remember that? No, that was before my time. My parents were there, and they talk about it like it was the the best day ever. I mean, the closest we've got in my time is. We went to um, two seasons ago. We got to the semi-final, and and you know that was a great day. I, I know a lot yeah. of people say that the semi-final shouldn't be at Wembley because it ruins the the spectacle of the final. But I think a lot of Brighton fans would have agreed with that, you know, beforehand. But the semi-final being at Wembley was a really, really special day for us. I think you know, like if you lose the semi-final, then yes, we've had a great day out at Wembley, and then it's, yeah, uh... I mean, I'd, you'd rather have a great day out at Wembley than have a you know, go to Old Trafford or somewhere for a semi-final where you go to lose in the league anyway. Yes, yeah. I mean, looking at, I mean, you know, your form, actually, and we were talking about this before we came in. I mean, it's slightly better. I mean, we've got we've got two wins, two draws and a loss. You've got three wins in there, including, I mean, what happened? You know, you beat Liverpool, you beat Spurs. What what were you doing? I mean, thank you for doing that because you know, <laughs> <that hole. laughs> When you beat Liverpool, I was a, I was a huge Seagulls fan. But um, what, what happened? It's just sort of it all seems to have come together really since um, on January the second we we came in three one down at half time against Wolves and you know we hadn't won a home game all season and there was a, a bit of a anti grand pot of feeling starting to build that whatever he said at half time worked. We've changed the way we play a little bit whereas before. We were always trying to dominate possession. So we were having you know, 60, 70% possession, even against some of the best teams in the league. But it's not much use when you're just stroking the ball from side to side on the edge of the box. And what we've done now is, I think Potter's belatedly realised that a lot of our players are, are better playing on the counter when they're allowed to you know, break quickly and yeah. do things at pace. And to be fair to him, he's adjusted the way we play. So we're having less possession now, but we're getting into areas where we can hurt opponents a, a, you know, a lot, a lot more than we were before, and suddenly that's made us better defensive-wise. And yeah, we, I mean, 
we went to Liverpool and people would look at it 1-0 and if you didn't watch the game, you'd probably think it was like the Burnley game the week before where Liverpool dominated and Burnley were lucky to, to come away with the three points. But we went there, our goalkeeper's not had a save to make. We were that good defensively and we were clever how we, you know, we had four shots on goal, which yeah. is pretty much unheard of for an away team at Anfield in recent years because we were clever in the way we played, the way we approached it. And it was just a joy to watch and there seems to be a real good feeling at the minute. It's a weird season all round, though, isn't it? That anybody can beat anybody. I mean, you know, we lost to Fulham, who were bottom of the league. Man United lost to Sheffield United, who were bottom of the league. It, it's been, but it's a justification of sticking with Graham Potter. And I know when we chatted uh, before the league game earlier in the season, you know, I said, like, before he got appointed, I would never have heard of Graham Potter. Like, you know, who... I thought he was an extra from the Harry Potter film. You know? <laughs> <laughs> was he Harry Potter's uncle or something? You know, I never heard of him. But you stuck with him, unlike West Brom, obviously, who, who ditched you know uh, their manager, Slaven Bilic, at the first opportunity. It's going well for them, isn't it? But you you sticking with Graham, it, it, it's justified, hasn't it, itself now? Yeah. Um, sort of, I was you know a little bit arm and iron because there were a lot of... You know, the, the football obviously wasn't working and he was making a lot of strange um, decisions with players out of position and um, changing the team every week, basically. And But since sort of, I think he deserves a lot of credit because the changes he's made in terms of, you know, the way we now play is a little bit different. Um, he's picking his best team every week. Where a lot of managers, you know, get so wedded to philosophies that they, they're too stubborn to change. I mean, and... That, that's effectively what cost Chris shooting his job because he he changed from 4-4-1-1, which worked perfectly for us, to a 4-3-3. We won two games out of 18 and, you know, he, he had to go after that, unfortunately. Whereas Potter's seen it's not working. He's been willing to compromise his beliefs and all of a sudden we're flying. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And obviously the club will take a lot of credit for sticking with him when maybe others would have said, you know what, this isn't working. Yeah, and like you say, it, it's good to see a manager looking at it like that and saying, "What am I? What am I doing wrong? And why? You know, and and, and being prepared to, to change it." I'm going to say good evening to Andy here. Thanks for joining us, Andy. How the devil are you, sir? He's saying you'll be safe. The bottom three is already sorted. It's looking that way, isn't it? It's definitely looking like those three are going to go down. Yeah, I mean, like we said earlier, it's it's going to take a momentous run from one of the bottom three to. Yeah. to haul us in anyway. And to be honest, we should have eyes at the table with, on recent form, which is another reason why I hope, you know, we take the FA Cup seriously. Yeah. I mean, looking at the table there, you, you're 10 points clear of Fulham. Um, that's that's a that's a big gap, isn't it? Where, you know, I mean, I know they've got a game in hand, but, you know, when, when you're bottom three and you, you can't win, having a game in hand... You know, it, it, it's like having a, a paper teacup. You know? <laughs> it, it's no use whatsoever. And, uh, and like you say, you've got to be looking now, especially with your recent results, at moving up the table and, like you say, going for the Cup. So do you think tomorrow we're going to see a strong Brighton side? I think what might hamper that is that we're suffering from a hell of a lot of injuries at the minute. And, you know, the... Ex the effort that had to go into beating Spurs and Liverpool in the space of four days was extraordinary, really. And you could tell in our draw with Burnley on Saturday that the players were, you know, we were we were lucky to come away from Burnley with a point. We had to battle for it. And 
in its way, that's an impressive result because, you know, Burnley are probably the best team at, at battling in the Premier League. And we went there and outfought them to, to clean on for a draw. But the players looked so tired that, you know, I, I, I think Poss would be tempted to make changes. But the other way to look at it, I guess, is that this is the last time we're going to be playing midweek for, for some time. So, mm. you know, does he go full strength and then, you know, you sacrifice the, the Villa game on Saturday in a way, but then you've got nine days of rest before we play, before we play Palace, which should be enough recovery time. I, I, I wish we had that sort of gap. We've got um, two, two games a week now for quite a while because we've got, I mean, this is going to sound very, uh, very, very bad for me to say, but we've got the Europa League coming back uh, next week. So we, we, we've got regular games. It is a season when, I mean, right at the start, and we've got injuries now, like you say, um, but we had, our injuries were horrendous. You know, we were playing Christian Fuchs who, played more games at the start of this season than he's played in the last three seasons put together. It seems to have been a bad season all round for player injuries. Yeah, I mean, the, what made the victory at Liverpool even more impressive is, you know, we we were out, we were without Tariq Lamptey, who's clearly our best player. Um, Solly March went off injured, who's been our second best player this season. Welbeck's been injured, um, you know... All these good players have been at exactly the same time. We're still picking up results. And it does make you wonder, you know, when in the summer when managers were saying, oh, there's going to be more injuries this year because of the, you know, the pandemic and everything, no pre-season and everything squashed up and condensed year. And people were saying, well, these, you know, these guys are professional athletes. They should be able to cope. But it just shows you how tough and intense playing in the Premier League is. It does. I mean, you know, yeah, we all we all say that. Oh, it's ninety minutes a week. What you know, on on their sort of money, they should be able to be able to manage that sort of thing. But like you say, it is a it is a lot against. Ours was horrendous. I mean, I'm just looking looking here. I mean, we've got uh, Jamie Vardy back. Hopefully, uh, well, he is he's back because he came on against um, uh, uh, in the last game uh, against Wolves. But we've got Castagna out, Morgan out. Although he's not a regular starter. Pratt the same. Fafana's going to be a big loss. You'll probably uh, enjoy the fact that we haven't got Fafana. But just looking at yours here, the BBC is saying that you would probably be without Adam Webster, Solly March, Tariq Lamptey, David David Proper, and oh god, I can never I'm not going to pronounce this one. Alisa <laughs> Jahambash, is it? That's pretty close. It's Alisa Jahambash. Oh, oh, I'm going to get, get six out of ten for effort there. Yeah, that was, I've heard worse. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like when, when you see some of the players we're going for in the transfer room, as you're thinking, please don't, I'll never pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> I only manage Castagna because I think of lasagna, you know. <laughs> are, are, they, are they, they, I mean, they also say the BBC that, that, that you, you're hoping to have Adam Lalana and Danny Wellbrook well, la, la, la. let me put my teeth in and try that again. The BBC is saying that Lalana and Welbeck could actually start. Yeah, I mean, they've been out for the past, I think Welbeck's been out for about six weeks now, Lalana four or five. So, you know, in terms of getting minutes under their belts, the FA Cup's perfect, really. And that's why I think you can sort of tell the difference in, in how we're progressing as a Premier League club as well, because... In seasons gone past, you know, a weakened Brighton team would have involved playing young players and players who were second choice players in the championship. Now we're 
you know, we're bringing in, we're saying, oh, we'll make, we'll make, you know, five or six changes. But the players we're bringing in are former England internationals, which is yeah. a sign of how the club's progressing, really. Yes. I mean, we, we will probably be making changes. I mean, and, and Andy, I brought it up earlier. I'll just bring it back up again. And then I've got a couple of questions that, uh, that have been uh, been sent for you. Uh, Leicester will play a week inside because we have Liverpool at the weekend. We have got, like I say, you know, this game Wednesday, then Sunday, then Thursday, then Sunday again. So, but our youngsters, and it's surprising when they're called upon, you know, we've, we've got a good academy. We know we have, but don't be surprised to see a few youngsters in our lineup. They've uh, been knocking on the door uh, th- th- this season, and uh, you might you might be surprised at uh, uh, who you see come out. I'm just going to take a very quick 10 second break, and then I've got a couple of questions for you posed by uh, by some Leicester fans. I'll be right back after this. This is Leicester Till I Die TV. Please subscribe now on YouTube. We'll go to Roy's question first, if we can. He did touch on it earlier, so I think I know what the answer is going to be here. He said, did you agree with Chris being sacked? I hope he's on about Hooton and not me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, unfortunately, I think I can see from why it looked a bit, you know, funny from the outside looking in because that's a manager who's, taken us from championship relegation candidates to the Premier League, got us to an FA Cup semi-final. But the football in the second half of the 2018-19 season was just terrible. Um, We won two games out of 19 um, and it looked like he'd lost the changing room. And you just thought that if that continues into the next season, we would have gone down for sure. So I think... It was a it was a gamble getting rid of Tony Bloom, uh, get rid of Tony Bloom, <laughs> getting rid of Hewson. Um, it was even more of a gamble appointing a, a rookie manager like Graham Potter. But I think you know it had to be done. And Hewson's departure is a little bit funny because like, you don't get many. I guess it, it's probably like you guys and, and Ranieri actually that you don't get many I managers who are that. sacked, but who also at the same time are considered you know the yeah. one of the greatest managers ever and wouldn't have to buy a point if they ever came back to Brighton. Yeah, honestly, if, if he walked in here now, I'd be on my knees kissing his feet, Ranieri. <laughs> but he had to go at the time because it was the, you know, he'd taken us from top of the league to bottom, like you say. And everybody, I, I remember taking stick on Talk Sport off Jason Cundy about the fact that we'd sacked the manager that had just won us the league. And, you know, he's a Chelsea fan and they do that all the time at <laughs> Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, uh, but yeah. From the outside, like you say, it does look strange. Stephen Collins, good evening, Stephen. How the devil are you, sir? Thanks for joining us. He wants to know, please tell us this. I'm going to start making notes here. What is the secret to beating Liverpool? I think you just got to sort of be relatively well organised. I mean, that's what we did when we went there and you've, you've got to take your chances at the other end. I mean, I, it helps that they're in terrible form and Jurgen Klopp seems to be losing the plot with each passing week. Yes. And I, I also think it helps that sort of Burnley went there and showed it could be done. And even before Burnley had been there, you know, teams like West Brom were going there, Newcastle and drawing. Mm. Um, so the fear factor's gone as well, which helps, you know. And we went there and what have you got to lose? We went there and, you know, went on the attack, tried to play them and and we got our rewards, really. I, I know he's, I know why... Uh... Why he's asked that question is because we can't beat them at the moment. They are. Uh, you, we could literally put out 
our strongest side, and they could come out with the youth side, and they'd still beat us two, three, four nil. It's just the, the way it's going at the moment, um, I'm afraid. But um, I mean, you've changed. I mean, you know, earlier in the season, it was really a half. It was a 45 minute game. It was over at half time. You're going to be, a, you know, a, a different prospect tomorrow, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, the December game was probably one of the low points of the that pretty ropey first half of the season. Because, mm. I mean, we didn't look up for the up for the fight for a start, which is pretty unacceptable. And then, like I said earlier, you know, Potter made some was making some incredibly strange decisions around that time, and we caught I think we caught Leicester out a little bit by playing with a back four rather than our normal three at the back. But as soon as uh, Brendan Rodgers twigged what was happening and put somebody with half the... I think it was Barnes went up against um, Dan Byrne, which was a complete and utter mismatch. Mm-hmm. And you guys just tore us apart from that point. And, but Potter couldn't see, you know, this six-foot-seven centre-half playing at left-back was being torn apart by one of the best right-winners in the division. And obviously... Like your right back's coming, come bombing forward as well, and yeah, it's just yeah. it was the absolute Alamo, and we didn't change it until way into the second half, which was just incredibly frustrating. Although I guess that the game was up by that point anyway. Yeah, uh, Serene says here, good luck for both teams in the Prem. Thanks, Serene, appreciate that, and I'm sure sure Scott does, does as well. Um, Score predictions, we're going to have a quick look now. And I think if you remember from when we spoke last time, they probably don't, in fairness, we do get some ex-players to come on and give us their score predictions. Um, if they all get it right, it's not looking good for you. But Steve Walsh has gone 3-1 to Leicester. Uh, Big Marshy, Ian Marsh has gone 2-1. I've gone 2-0. I'm sorry about that, but I've gone 2-0. Uh, now, Steve Linux, and he's kind of, he hasn't, He's gone for two losses and we haven't lost. So I think that's kind of his thinking. If he goes against us, we will we'll still win. But he's gone for 1-1 and penalties. And then obviously it could go either way. You're not going to go against your side. What score are you going to go for, Scott? Well, the way we're playing, I'll, normally I'd be absolutely dreading a visit to the King Power, especially with your recent record against us. But mm. the way we're playing, I've, you know, we've definitely got it in us to get a result. But it's quite hard to say because you just don't know what you know what teams are going to be fielded. Yeah, um, I think I'll sit on the fence and go for a, a one-all. But if it goes to penalties, we're in a world of trouble because Casper Schmeichel's got an incredible penalty saving record against us. Well, if we if we put Inacho on ready for penalties, you'll be all right because he, he can't score them. <laughs> but, uh, the, the other thing as well is is that we, we we play worse at home. So and and we are at home. So you've got a. a, a a little bit of hope there, you know, but uh, as they always say, and it's a complete lie, but as long you know, football will be the winner, which is a load of bollocks because you want your <laughs> team to be the winner. <laughs> Brighton in your case, Leicester in mine. Uh, it's got to go, like you say, it has got to go to penalties tomorrow. There's no replays, which I think is quite good, to be honest with you, and I hope they stick with that because, you know, if, if a smaller team is up against a bigger team, like a Crawley playing against the Leeds, let's say, and... You know, Leeds, you know, managed to get it back and take them back. Then, to, to, to if it was a say, let's say it was a Crawley, and they took them back to Ellen Road, Leeds are going to have the better chance. But the fact that it is just one leg, I think, makes the whole competition more exciting. Yeah, I mean, when they first said that this is what was going to happen, I was a little bit against it because replays are always good fun, aren't they? Mm. But 
Yeah, I mean, the side in the day, is, it does increase the opportunity for upsets, I think. Like when we were in League One, we the we got to the fifth round one year, but we drew at home to Woking, we drew at home to FC United of Manchester in the in the first two rounds. And you just thought that, you know, imagine if it wouldn't be good for Brighton, obviously, but imagine if those two non-league teams had the chance to win on penalties on the day against Gus Poirier's League One champions who were, yeah. you know, outstanding that year. It would have been fantastic for them. Yeah, no, I, I I agree totally. Mad Jason, um, I still want to know what you're mad about, uh, <laughs> Jason. There um, went for three two to Leicester. We've got VAR back tomorrow, um, and I, I'm, I'm going to start asking fans this because we we've had the last two legs uh, of of the cup, and I think it's been totally unfair because because we were playing away at Championship sides. We haven't had VAR because obviously it's not it's not set up, and I think it's wrong that certain games can be decided by VAR and certain games can't be. That said, it is what it is, so we, we've had to get on with it, and I think they should have stopped it altogether. But it, it, it's come under a lot of stick, not just this season, for for quite a while now. We used to always complain about the referees, and I think it's getting silly when. You know, Mike Dean, for whatever reason, love him or hate him, he shouldn't be getting death threats um, to to his home. Are you a fan of VAR or would you prefer to go back to referees? All we seem to be doing now is blaming VAR where we used to blame referees. Yeah, I've sort of... I think it's, you know, the, the concept of it's good, isn't it, in terms of eliminating mistakes, but it shouldn't be there to micromanage every single decision in a game to the point where it is. And, I mean, you look at the way other countries use it. And I think the Premier League got it all wrong by not having the monitor to start with. And in other countries, it, you know, it doesn't seem to have quite an impact and cause quite as much as many problems, which even means that, you know, people in other countries don't care enough to get worked up about it, which I don't think is true. So it must be either our referees are so poor that they're still making incorrect decisions with technology or we're using it completely wrong. But, you know, the Premier League being the Premier League, it has to think it's the best league in the world. It has to yeah. do things differently to everyone else when it could just look at what's happening in Germany or what's happening in Spain and say, right, we're going to do what they do. And going back to what you said about the um, the FA Cup thing, when we got to the semi-final, that was the first year they used it in some, like it was used anywhere in the competition. Uh, yeah. So um, it wasn't used in championship grounds, like you said. And when Man City got through basically with two through their quarterfinal with two very controversial goals which would have been ruled out. If VAR had been used across the board, then we would have played Swansea in the semi-final and Watford in the final. So yeah. we probably would have lost to one of them along the way. But <laughs> you can see what nonsense it is that, that it's used in some grounds and not in others. That's that's what annoyed me this season, you know. And don't get me wrong, you know, I'm I, I'm I wanted VAR, um, but you can't have one set of rules for one half of the games and one set of rules for another. And they are overplaying it. It should be there for clear and obvious mistakes, not this waiting five minutes while they check somebody's armpit hair to see if they've just sort of slightly gone off, you know, off skew. Refs make mistakes. Linesmen make mistakes. Of course they do. Human error. I used to be one of the ones that used to balance up over the year. You know, some went for you, some went against you. But they do micromanage it now, like you say, don't they? 
yeah, and there's there's just no need to do it. I mean, if if you can't tell within five seconds of looking back at it, it's obviously not a clear and obvious error, is it? To just get on with it. That's the thing, the clear and obvious, and, and they're not sticking to that. Well, I'm going to have to say that I hope it's a clear and obvious win for Leicester tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Corny, I know, but I, I was quite pleased with that one. And, uh, and despite that, good luck for the rest of the season. I don't think you'll need it because, like I say, I think we'll be playing you again next uh, next season, whatever happens. And thanks very much for coming on. Give um, give your podcast and your website and everything a quick shout-out, Scott. Um, so the website is wearebrighton.com and um, we're on Twitter at wearebrighton. Brilliant. Thanks very much for joining us. As I say, I won't wish you luck because I won't mean it. But um, <laughs> we will see you again later in the year, hopefully. Yeah, thank you. Thanks very much, mate. Take care and stay safe. Cheers, yeah, you too. Thanks a lot now. Thanks to Scott for coming on there. Great lad. Um, we'll be seeing him three times this year. We're going to have to stop meeting like this because people will talk about us. So we'll be back tomorrow again. I'm sorry, you can't get rid of me. Uh, it's a 7.30 kickoff. So that means we're going to be on air at 6.45 with the pre-match show with me and Josh. Um, just after the team is announced, we'll be talking about it, seeing what team Brendan has gone for. And then... At about 40 minutes, 45 minutes after the final whistle, we'll have the post-match show. You'll give us a chance to either calm down or will give us a chance to celebrate with a, with a glass of uh, something alcoholic. And I have to say, 40 minutes after kickoff, I can't give you an exact time because, of course, it is penalties, extra time and penalties if needed tomorrow. Get those fingernails ready to be bitten. Get those bums ready to be squeaky. I will see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for your comments. This has been Leicester Till I Die TV. See you tomorrow night. Good night now. Leicester Till I Die podcasts on the Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Anchor, and all podcast platforms. Thanks for watching Leicester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Ultimate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.